0: Edition of Unplugged. It's a little bit later than perhaps we'd planned to, to come through with this, but a fair bit's happened. It's taken us a while, obviously, to process all that has gone on. I ventured over to New Zealand for a week or so. Nick jetted off to Philadelphia in the, the hope of seeing some World Series success and when we came back, it was 2008, um, so there was some sort of time travel that we are, that we crossed back into, but here we are. Ross Lyon is coach of the Saints. I don't think any of us as, as students of the game, and I'm not saying that none of us would have welcomed it, but I would hazard a guess that none of us would have ever seen that happening. Um, I think there was a belief that Ross Lyon would coach somewhere again, but I think we probably felt that given everything that occurred and the, the manner of the departure and the fact that... Basically, coaches don't go back to where they started. It hasn't happened since David Parkin in the the early 90s. Uh, We probably just never considered that a possibility. And then it just gathered momentum and momentum. and, And here we are. And on top of that... Lenny Hayes is back. We knew that already. Robert Harvey comes back, which is great. He's running the time trial. Some things never change. And Brendan Goddard, true to his word, he said he'd put his hand up if Ross was coach. He did. And and there he is. So it's difficult to know what to make of it. It it is exciting. It's It's a high risk, high reward situation. As you say, we feel for Brett Ratton. We spoke about that a little bit at the time. And in many ways, didn't deserve what what eventuated, but uh, it is a brutal game. He lands on his feet at North Melbourne, and I think we all certainly wish him all the best in in that endeavour, without question. Um, but here we are, uh, Ross Lyon, Mark Two uh, H. I'll, I'll start with you. You've um, obviously been here through all of it. Um, yeah, what, what what do you make of that? We're we're ready. To, I know the, it was a different slogan. It was a Malcolm Blight slogan, the "I'm on board for the ride," but it feels like it's a bit that way again.
1: Hopefully, his coaching is better than his acting that we saw today. So, <laughs> I did not mind it. Was, <laughs> it was not bad, but it was pretty ordinary at the same time. So, but I mean, I think the simplest way to look at it is who's out there that's a better option? Mm. I think that's the way I've looked at it. I've just looked and gone, who would I prefer? And I'm sort of thinking, there's not a lot out there. There really is not much out there at the moment. There's I think this group needs a tried and tested not someone new and, and that's all that would be out there for us at the moment. We the other option was Brad uh, Brad Scott but he's obviously gone to Essendon. So it's it's almost the right decision when you look at it. So it's um proven record that that's the one thing he's, he I mean he took over a good list originally for us. It was, it was a good list where it was, it was probably just starting to head a bit of a heading to a bit of a trough at that stage. And he turned us around reasonably quickly. So it's almost a kind of similar situation when you look at it. We're, we're, we're about as middle of the road as you can get this season. As we said, we won half our games. Our percentage was almost bang on 100. We had pretty much right in the middle of the road, someone like him might just give us that real boost and just just get the best out of a few players that we maybe didn't have 100% from. He's the sort of coach that will earn respect. And if he's not getting results, they won't be around for much longer. And that's as simple as it is. And other players will see that and then go, hang on, I'd like to be a part of that. And we didn't do much this off-season. But next off-season, players might think, I'd like a piece of that.
2: It's it's one of those ones where I, I think you're right, H. I, I think it is the the only option. I mean, really, you know, we missed out on Adam Kingsley, who I think from everything that I've heard has said to people close to him, friends and family, that if he had known the St Kilda job was coming up, he would have waited and put his hand up for that. And I think that he would have been probably the best option, but outside of that, the option really is Adam Uze. And while he's very highly rated, he's a, you know, what seems to be a very good young coach, we don't know what to expect. You know, he didn't get two jobs that he went for this off-season. He didn't get them for a reason, and clubs went with other people. So what makes people, what makes fans think that he would have been any better than than Ross Lyon? Um, the reality is that, like you said, H, Ross Lyon is tried and tested, he's proven, he's got a record and that record speaks for itself. It stands on its own, but I think even more importantly, it's the way that he went about uh, getting that record. And it wasn't, like you said, he did inherit a talented list, but it was a list that didn't really know how to win. And it was a team that while very talented, very creative uh, and, you know, very skillful, didn't have the discipline, the willpower, the work ethic, to get things done and to make it count at the pointy end of the season. And he changed that completely. He turned the club around and we haven't had that, that sort of work ethic, that discipline, that structure, the formula that works ever since he left. And as good we know, we had one or two good years under, under Richo. We had a year and a half that we played pretty good footy under, under Rats Um, but certainly not consistently, and certainly nothing that kind of blew people away that went, oh, Jesus, Saints have a great game plan or bloody hell, they're disciplined, they work hard, they tackle, they, they do all the things that you need to do. We haven't said that for 12 years, 11 years, and it was when Ross Lyon left that that stuff all fell apart. And so that's what I'm excited about, that if nothing else, and there's no guarantee that he's going to take this team to being a winning team again. There's never any guarantee. We know that. But as long as you're aware of that and you're aware of the things that he does bring, and he brings game plan, he brings structure, he he brings work ethic, he brings discipline, he brings accountability. And those are the things that we so dearly lack and that we so dearly need and have needed over a number of years. When we've had teams good enough to be competing, maybe not to win a flag, but to be competing at the pointy end of the season. Now I'm wearing Uh, the... uh...
0: So I'm wearing the Clash (laughs) 2007-2008 jumper uh, just to sort of get into the mood. But yeah, look, I mean, I sort of echo those sentiments. I mean, yes, the the question's on Ross. Has he adjusted necessarily for modern footy? I I would assume so. I I think it's naive to expect that he'll just plug in the same thing and hope that it all works. You have to adapt. And I think he was starting to do that late at Freeman, or They'd fallen away in 16, 17, and by 19 was starting to unearth a lot of what they have now is a good side with Brayshaw and Sarong and Chero, who's now at Carlton, um, Darcy, those sorts of players that were coming through. Alex Pierce in defence, etc. Um, getting the
2: best out of Brad Hill,
0: definitely. Um, and he's already flagged, obviously putting him back onto a to a wing. And look, there's. We'll get to our season in, in a moment, but yeah, they're, they're clearly the questions on him, but as you mentioned h11 and 11 with 99.7 or whatever it was percent we were very vanilla and that was the feeling i had coming out of the season i mean it was probably the it's hard to say cuz it was only october but it's it's probably the the lowest expectation i had going into a new year in terms of i don't see how we Catapult forward. I don't see how we fall off a cliff. We just float around in no man's land. And we've been in no man's land for 10 or 11 years. Now, it's not just a case of, oh, we'll do what you did then and it'll work. But but there is a little bit of that in the sense that the people that were at the club, that the 2009 10 side is the, the best St Kilda team I think that's ever played the game. I know we won a flag in 66, but. You've got, you know, Goddard, key part of that, and and a passionate individual. I know he turned his attention a bit towards Essendon, but clearly he's a, you know, a fiery customer, passionate about it. Robert Harvey loves the club. Lenny Hayes loves the club. Ross Lyon is our most successful coach by winning percentage and and one of the most successful of recent times. They knew how to get the joint humming back then, and hopefully they still do. There's no guarantees. You've got Blake on the board, you got Rewald involved. They're the right sort of names uh to you know to put that level of faith in if you're going to put faith in someone put faith in people that you've seen do it before and give them a chance to to achieve that again i think we've been uniquely bad in that we've gone absolutely nowhere as a club for 12 years really Mm. um so what have you got to lose in a situation like that see how it goes and and
2: and ross ross gets the best out of Average players. And that's not a slight on average players because every club has them. Hmm. Every club has them. But you look at our our 9 10 team and it's incredibly top-heavy. The top-end talent was incredible. And quite clearly he doesn't have that now. But I feel like we bat deeper. I feel like our bottom six hmm. is nowhere near as as bad as it was back then. You know, we were playing guys like Rob Eddy and Andrew McQualter playing roles over guys like David Armitage and, and Jack, Jack Stephen. Jack Stephen, yeah. Ben McAvoy, yeah, McAvoy and yeah. you know a, a bunch of really quality footballers and and guys that played their role that did the role that they were asked for and gave one hundred and two percent every single time. You knew what to expect out of them. That they were given roles because you could trust them and he could trust them and knew exactly what he was going to get and turn them into very good footballers as well. And because they did what was required, um, so you know if if you can raise the you know, raise the expectations on, on someone like a Max King and start getting some more out of Hunter Clark and Nick Caulfield comes back from injury and you know, Jack Steele goes to another level and Jack Sinclair goes to another level. We get Brad Hill back to his best. And then all of a sudden you start getting guys like Ben Patton and, you know, some of those other other names. You know, Dan McKenzie went to another level last year, this year, when he was fit and healthy. But you get him playing great football again and you know, a bunch of other guys that are, you know, lesser, lesser known names, lesser lights, average players, good average players or whatever you want to call them and get them playing a role and really understanding football and what their job is, um, then, you know, we're in a much better
1: position than we were this time last year. Yeah. I was going to say the pretty much similar sort of thing that the team that he had last time had superstars in the team. And then once we got below our whatever it it was, about the last quarter of our best 22, it dropped off like it was a cliff almost. Um, we pretty much had three tiers: we had the superstars, we had the very serviceable players, and we had the players that tried their guts out but weren't fantastic. I mean, I don't know how everyone feels about him, but you got to put like a player like Ref Clark in that area. Mm-hmm. That, that, that's as that's as simple as it is. But now I look at the it, out, we're very level. The mm-hmm. the team is very level. We got the stars at the top. But the, the drop off is nowhere near as dramatic from top to bottom. It's we've seen <coughs> players come in last year for their first games. Hayes and he he played like he had had been playing for us for five years. And um, Wilkie down back, I mean, third year, but feels like he's been there for ten. That the level is there, and the, the, it's the sort of thing where we're looking at going okay. We can replace players. We can sort of do that. We're not relying on those top two, three, four players to pull us through every single week if this team is played the right way. And that's where it's going to come down to. They need to play their positions right. Yeah, and look, if you're a place... That, that's the, what you should be able to do.
0: Absolutely. And if you're a plate, look at the top group in 09, obviously, Del Sano, Rewalt, Montagna, Goddard, Hayes, Fisher, Milne. You'd probably put all of those guys in superstar categories. You had the next tier, which would be guys like Gilbert, Blake, Jones, Graham. Kaczynski, Graham, um, Michael Gardner, Ball, uh, Farron Ray, those types of players. But then you had, yeah, Robert Eddy, um, Guys like Raf Clark, a very young Jaron Geary, McQualter, who played every game that year, <laughs> those changed. sorts. Yeah, th- those sorts of players. Obviously Zach Dawson, and then you had. If you look at it now, obviously that bottom group is guys like McKenzie, Mason Woods, um, those types of players. Windhager, Owens. Our top echelon is clearly not the same. If you look at our best group, it would be Sinclair, Steele, King, Hill, Crouch, Membry. It's something like Wilkie, probably.
1: Yeah. Um, not the same. They, they uh, yeah. At that yeah. stage, for his other team, they would probably be in that middle tier, and yeah.
0: That, and definitely.
1: that's sort of what we're looking at. It's, um, King and it, it's Steel a real
0: and mm, Sinclair potentially
1: in that just group. up yeah. there, probably between yeah. the two sort of levels. But there, mm. it's just a, it, it, it's almost like a bunch of mm. players who will that will take the field for us. That uh, there's no, <clears> oh. They're going to be two or three players that are going to pull us across, pull us across the road, across the line every week, and yeah, and I think for, the for us, on,
0: yeah, and, and on those guys you're mentioning, I think the guys that stand out to me, if you look at why we've perhaps been a bit vanilla in recent times, are guys that have say done the job every week: Sinclair, Steele, Ross, Crouch, Memory, Wilkie. But guys that generally, when they play well, we always win, but they don't always play well. So I think. Yeah. Ross is going to be big for Gresham, Billings, Hill, Higgins, Butler, Jones, Clark. Clark they're, they're probably seven that do jump out to me.
1: The two others I, that you'll probably love are going to be Windhager and McKenzie. Mm, they are yeah. going to fit into his plan like you wouldn't believe, I reckon. Um, they're sort of, yeah, if Yeah, if he gets right and he's right to go and uh, he's got the want to be out there. Then yeah, he could really fit into there too. So it's the other the other problem is we may end up with too many of those similar players. So but then we got the competition of who gets the spot, which will be, which is the best thing we can have. If we have players fighting for the spots, that's when we're going to get the best out of them.
2: Yeah, it's an interesting one because I think I think a guy that he would have loved would have been Ben Long as well. Yeah, and I, yeah. I feel like the way that Long attacks the contest, attacks the ball, puts his body on the line. You know, all those things, attacks the man even, are things that Ross Lyon would love. And I think that that's kind of what he's going to love about someone like Marcus Windhager, right? Like the way that he attacks the ball, he puts his body on the line, he leads with the shoulder and you know, goes straight at the ball essentially, see ball, win ball and, and just go hard. Um, and it looks like just from his work ethic, you look at the pictures of him kind of coming back to the club this week and dude's ready to go. He, he's he's pumped up, he's ready to go. And I think that Ross Lyon's going to love Marcus Windhager um, I think you're right. I think he's going to love Dan McKenzie and the role that he plays. I think he's going to love guys like Ben Patton that that kind of do those little things that sometimes go unnoticed. But it is a shame that we've lost that guy that kind of finished the year pretty well last year and um, became a pretty important player for us last season and, and probably surprised a few a few people at, at the level that he got to um, in Ben Long.
0: Keen to see how he goes with Jack Hayes. Obviously, um, <clears throat> he would be a second ruck slash forward. I would have loved to have seen him have a year with Ryder, but. That's obviously the way it goes. Um, Marshall's particularly important, clearly, in terms of staying fit. Um, yeah, I mean, what does he do with someone like Caulfield? Um, sort of where does he fit into the, the scheme of things? But, yeah, it's, it's intriguing in that space because we, we've got a lot of guys and I look at those two small forwards, Butler and, and Higgins. I mean, Higgins, more of a genuine match winner. Butler, more of a pressure forward. Um, I would hope that in the way that... And they're not Milne Schneider, but in the way that he harnessed Milne Schneider, if he could harness that in terms of constant repetitive disciplines, same spot, don't drift in and out of games um, and just try to get the best out of those players, particularly higgins i reckon he cops a, a, a bit of a i don't know we dig, dig the boots into butler a little bit but but higgins cops a bit of a belting on on twitter from saints fans and I'm, i don't totally understand why um even on his bad days he seems to kick a couple um he single-handedly
2: yeah the the opportunities and missing shots and that sort of stuff yeah. like i think i think by the end of it people were just sick of it and it, it didn't mm. matter if it's if it's Higgins or King doesn't, doesn't really matter. Like it's, it's not taking those opportunities when you've got chances to win games. And we know what Saints fans like are desperate to win games of footy. Mm. And when you, you've got those opportunities to win games and you, you, you screw it up off your own boot. I think that just kind of enough was enough. And yeah, you know, I, I think that kind of the, the shit hit the fan in that case. And that, and that's why I think Higgins cops a bit of a bad rap. You know, yes. Some of it's deserved. Some of it's deserved because he should be kicking a lot of those goals. But he does a lot of other things really well. And he gets in the game, he's involved, and he creates opportunities, both for himself and other people. So, you know, you've got to put yourself in that position before you can actually take it. He's a, he's, he it's that. a forward
1: that a forward that other teams won't not defend as well. That's that's he he's too he, dangerous if you just think no no, we'll just sit off him. And And we're starved at one, so I'm
0: not dropping one of the ones we do have. (laughs) No. Yeah.
1: The other one
2: I think that Ross will like is Mason Wood. And we saw kind of what he did in the second half of last year as well. And look back to to what he was able to do with Farron Ray, who, you know, he was a maligned player, you know, high draft pick um, at, at another club, came to us with the reputation of being soft and weak and whatever you want to call it. But, you know, through his time at St Kilda, didn't really put a foot wrong. Um, and, and especially under under Ross was able to become a really important part of that that team that was ultra competitive, if nothing else.
1: Yeah, Wood, Wood almost made himself an automatic inclusion by the end of the season. There was, mm. there, there's no way he was not getting a game that towards the end mm-hmm. of the year. He's, he did pretty well everything that was asked of him, and if not more. Uh, and I actually
2: think he's he's already in a better position now. Than Farron Ray was when he came to the club, and Ross Lyon took over. In that he does the hard things. He's got the running patterns. He works hard. His work ethic is great. Um, you know, he he does the little things, and it's just some, you know, potentially some concentration issues and, and a few little skill errors here and there that kind of let him down. But
1: yeah, they're things that can be fixed mm. pretty easily. They they started dropping off though. They uh, they became less and less, which was good. So, yeah, and exactly. just keep on that path. Uh, that's, what's, that's what he needs to do.
0: Well, if we had have made the eight, it would have been in no small part that his effort against Brisbane in the second last round was um, huge in that game. And had we have converted in the last quarter, we win that and obviously go into the Sydney game alive. So, um, yeah, very valuable player. Mason Wood he was a, I think a regular feature in the in the Jason Blake uh, over the course of the year so and quite fitting that uh, Jason Blake really did I would think have his hands all over <laughs> what has taken place from what we can gather and yeah when we had the conversation a month or so ago I think we all agreed that they must have had something in mind to have done what they did so I'm not sure Adam Muse and um, Daniel G and Syracuse and those guys should have been waiting by the phone too much I think they they pretty much had it all it all locked away rightly or wrongly but we look at the the year that was and I think I made the point a a few weeks ago that had we have gone three and eight to start and come home eight and three the views would be very different it's the same season but I guess we've got to look at why we dropped away and that's where it's a little bit difficult whether we got figured out a little bit whether we got a bit lucky early in the year whether we're a bit unlucky late in the year whether we lost form when we had tough fixtures but might start off with sort of theories behind when it turned. For me, I know a lot of people have pointed certain results, but I just remember sitting in the room I'm in now when we played Brisbane at the Gabba in the middle of the year, and that wasn't a game we were necessarily expected to win, but were a chance. It was a top-four clash at that stage. Uh, we got a few injuries in that game, but we kicked three in a row in the second quarter to lead by 11 and then Jack Higgins, who we just spoke about, took a one-hander about 35 metres out, and had a shot after the halftime siren and missed. Now, I'm not putting it on that, but I remember thinking at the time, it's a pretty big kick if he kicks that with three goals up in a low-scoring game... And really, at no stage for the remainder of the season did we ever look near it. And it was injuries that cost us largely in that game, not so much that miss. But I just remember having a funny feeling when I uh, probably went to the fridge at halftime thinking, eh, that we could have uh, could have done with that. And then, yeah, it just was never the same from that point.
1: That, that was probably a huge result. I mean, we win that. We don't cop all the injuries. we we go into the next week. I mean... Yes, we were playing Essendon, but quietly confident. Well, more than quietly confident, I guess. I mean, generally, we don't go into an Essendon game very confident. We just don't play well against them. Um, But more confident than usual. But we lose those players and we sort of go, oh, so what's coming up? And we think Essendon, Sydney, who are right up there, Carlton, who were flying at that time, Frio again, who were flying, Bulldogs it was just a road ahead and you're and going oh how are we going to how are we going to go with this and somehow we managed to pull out one against Carlton which out of most of them that was probably one of the ones that like we had our opportunity against Sydney early but then they just ran away from us and yeah then we sort of going Carlton uh, no good and then that gave us some hope they go to hope, okay, maybe we're not down that far. Maybe we're, we're a chance again. Um, but, yeah, the, the, just those injuries, Mackenzie didn't come back. with. The, he was a huge yeah. loss. And they're the sort of yeah. players that you think against and he could have been a real help. Against Sydney, they're, they're a bit of a tougher team. They're, he's a real help there. You, he, he's probably the biggest injury from our season that we had. Um, you, if someone had said to you, we've... Would have finished the season missing Dan McKenzie, and it was a turning point. You'd be going, "How? How many other players did he take out?" It was just a <laughs> yeah, the, the role he played for us. We we weren't able to fill it again. It just it did not happen. Yeah. So his P was probably the turning point of the season.
2: I 100% agree. And that, that was the other thing I was going to say that happened in, in that Brisbane game was that we lost Dan McKenzie. And we, we'd seen up to that point how important he'd been and every week we were raving about him, how, how important he was becoming, how important he was to the way that we played football. Not only was he tough and hard and attacked the ball uh, and very rarely got beaten, but he was also winning his own ball outright and, and having an impact going the other way. You know, his, his, He had moved up, was essentially playing as a as an inside winger um, you know, it was kind of winning the ball on the outside, cutting inside and, and playing as an extra midfielder essentially and, you know, winning his own ball and delivering inside 50 or delivering, you know, to half forward where he could have an impact and and just became a really, really important player. And, and like you said, H, we, we just couldn't replace him. We didn't have the right players. We didn't have the right mindset. And when that happened, things just fell apart. And, and I think it was a combination of, a bunch of things we'd gone into the bye we kind of limped into the bye after starting the season incredibly well but again you know a much easier schedule a much easier fixture in the first half of the season and we knew that and then you head into the bye and you kind of lose all the momentum that you'd built up over that period it just came at a really bad time for us and then you go straight into a really tough part of the season And, and like you said you got got the Lions, you lose guys that, that are super important, that have become super important in the way you want to play, and then you've got the Bombers, and we know we never turn up against the Bombers. Um, that game against Sydney was a really demoralising loss as, as well, possibly even more so than the Bombers game, which is hard to believe. But like you said, we were kind of in it early, and then they just ran over the top of us and showed just how much of a golfing class there was between the two teams. And Sydney went on, you know, to, to – we know they sucked in the grand final, but they deserve to be there. Mm. Um, and we're a bloody good team. They were a bloody good team this year, Sydney, and they showed it that day. And maybe not as much in, in the second game that we played, but they showed throughout the second half of the season they're a really good team. Um, and I think for the club as a whole, it was a bit of a wake-up call that, yes, we went 8-3 and three to start the year, but we lost some games that we should have won. And we needed to win those games because it gets a lot harder and it got a lot harder and we just couldn't keep up.
0: And a lot of it is the good and the bad, I think, is summed up in the the same answer in that if you want to look at things that can turn around and get you back quickly, it's the same answer as to, to what went wrong in a lot of respects. So first half of the year, we didn't have it all our own way, but we showed... Resilience, which was completely gone in the second half of the year. I mean, if you go through the first half of the year, against Collingwood, we were getting smoked. We came back and nearly pinched that. That turned out to be not as bad a loss as we thought it was at the time. Uh, Fremantle, again, outplayed early, hung in there, turned it around. Richmond got four goals up on us and were all over us. We just absorbed the pressure and then blew them away. Did the same thing against uh, the Giants where we had a lot of injuries and hung on. Against Geelong, they were all over us. We hung in there, turned it around and won. And it was that resilience where it's like, okay, we're, we're just fighting and fighting and fighting until we get momentum and then we run with it. But in the second half of the year against Essendon, we didn't show up, we didn't respond at all, save for a five-minute burst. Didn't fire a shot against Sydney. Against Fremantle, we played well for half a game, and then as soon as they put pressure on us, we stopped. Bulldogs, when we were playing for our season, we just walked out of the gates. Geelong, we actually got back into it at halftime at Cadinia Park, and then they just blew us away, and we're like, ah, fair enough. Um, That was the most disappointing part. It's like in the first half of the year, there was a genuine spirit and resilience. And to me, in terms of people that have ultimately lost their job – that was the most alarming aspect of what happened as to w- what was going on between the years that they were up for the fight and then they weren't anymore. Yeah. And that was the the thing that was most concerning. Yeah, I mean, even
1: the wins over West Coast and Hawthorne weren't convincing. They, they, no. they I mean, West Coast, we did what we had to do. I mean, it was in Perth. Never, we don't have a great record there. I mean, they were starting to look a bit better. They'd had a couple of decent games over there. They like, they went pretty close against Geelong. They beat Essendon. beat Essendon. Yeah. So they they were a lot... If we'd caught them at the start of the year, would have been a lot better. But, yeah, they sort of started with getting a lot better towards the end of the year there. So we got them at their, probably their peak, almost. Um, Hawthorne, we should have really put away. That was a lot closer than it should have been. Um, yeah, we, we team, good teams finished those games off. Um, it was very similar to the Collingwood game late last year. Um, in we were controlled all day. We controlled the game all day, and then just thought, "Oh, that's enough. We're done." And almost lose the game. It, got, it gets got to a goal. It's just the game. we going. Is that the sort of season we're finishing with? Are we going to play like that and lose a game like that? It was just like, surely not. We surely don't do that. But yeah. <laughs> The last two games of the season, we probably played better against two good opponents who were, I guess, they were still fighting for position. You know, and mm-hmm, definitely. yeah, we we actually kind of put them to the, both to the sword to say, yeah, if you're going to play finals, we're we're going to give you a good challenge, and they probably gave them a good, um, a, a, a bit of a challenge before they actually went in, and we saw. Brisbane-Sydney played their, their first finals, played really good football. So we, we were actually up there with them, which was good.
2: But, uh, you know, out of those games that we won in the second half of the season, it was, like you said, West Coast, nowhere near finals. Hawthorne, nowhere near finals. Mick Carlton, who were legitimately a, beast, yeah. a, le- legitimately a beast dick out of the finals. Right? Oh, yeah. like yeah. They should have been there and they bottled <laughs> it badly. Um, but you know, again, didn't make finals. And, and the record speaks for itself across the, the year, three wins from 12 games against teams that made the finals. And if you want to be a competitor, you can't, you cannot have that record. And what it showed is that, you know, we're pretty good against bad teams and, you know, we'll sneak a couple against good teams. You know, you beat Frio in, in Perth and that was a, that was a tough hard fought win. You beat Geelong and beating Geelong anytime is, is a good win, you know, at Marvel where they don't play as well. Um, you know, like you said, we fought hard against Collingwood, and we saw what they went on went on to do. But come the second half of the year, when you're playing generally better teams week in, week out, and you're playing Brisbane twice, you're playing Sydney twice, uh, you played Geelong again at home. Um, yeah, we just weren't up. We weren't up for it.
0: And if you had it done this podcast at the end, of, and that this is again where it was a problem. If you had it not so much sixteen, but if you had it done this podcast at the end of 2017, 18, 19... 21 and 22 so skipping 20 there were a little bit better although it did happen a bit that year after our losses the the conversation was very similar even after the wins where again it it is very very laborious for us to go forward uh it's difficult for us to generate shots at goal from inside 50s that we don't convert enough um and if you're losing the same way and it had a bit of that we're a slightly better side, but it had a bit of that Rich Show era whiff about it, sort of the way we were getting beaten late in the season. And, yeah, it, you can't – you just can't – again, I'll go back to what I said at the start. It was just no man's land, unfortunately, where we, we weren't far away from being good and we weren't far away from being shit, but we were neither of the two. Mm. So.
2: And, and, you know, when things didn't go well, we didn't really have kind of a plan B. It was – you know, we spoke a number of times about the way that we started games. And, you know, we'd start slow, we'd let teams kind of get ahead. And, and that was part of the thing in the, in the first half of the season is that, you know, how often we, we would concede the first couple of goals. And we, all of a sudden we'd be down 15 points, 20 points or whatever, and have to fight back. And all of a sudden at that point, you kind of unleash the unleash the beast, you know, you kind of unshackle the, the lads and, and they kind of start running and they, and they play hard and they're playing attacking creative football. But that was the plan B, whereas that should have been the way you know, free the guys up to play football because clearly it's what they want to do. And that for whatever reason was not what we tried to do. And then in the second half of the year, when we would start off slow, it was almost like they couldn't get into that second gear. Like that plan B just did not work anymore because it was too late. Um, we were already out of the game and better teams were putting us to the sword earlier and earlier and earlier. And at that point, you know, when you're playing Geelong or you're playing um, you know, Brisbane or a Sydney and you know, you, maybe you hold in there for, for 15 minutes or 20 minutes, but then, you know, they put the foot down and we couldn't go with them because you know, that, that was all we had. Um, and there didn't seem to be a really solid game plan. We didn't really know what our identity was as a footy club. Um, you know, we weren't tied to defence. We weren't tied to offence. We weren't tied to tackling hard and chasing and, you know, work ethic or discipline or, or any of those things. We didn't have an identity and we haven't for a while. And that was, I think, like you said, Paco, one of the, the things that has kind of remained almost over the last decade in that we haven't had an identity. It didn't matter if it was Waters or Richo or Rats, um, that you know, there was nothing that stood out about us. Even when we were winning games, it was like, well, the, the, the mentality, you know, the, the, the morale and the, the cohesion amongst the group is really good. But even then it's like, what is our game plan? Because we'll start... Yeah. We'll start defensively, and then when we're down a couple of goals, we'll we'll shift the goalposts and and we'll start playing attacking footy. But why should we have to do that? You know, who are we? What do we stand for? How do we play footy? What is our game plan? And, and I'm not sure that in any week, if someone had asked us that on this show, we could have we could have given a concrete answer. What what do mm-hmm. we stand for? Who are we? What type of football do we play? Because um, even when we were winning games, it was like, well they worked pretty hard in the second half to get back into it and take the lead and, and kind of roll over the top of, of some bad teams. But did they do it in a really impressive way? Probably not. Were they playing great football? Probably not. They played the the one game. that They did play really good football was that Hawthorne game at the G, but we know Hawthorne were no good. Mm. Um, And, you know, our guys that make differences were able to get off the leash. You know, Brad Hill was able to get off the leash and and have a real big impact. Um, And, you know we just did we just we haven't known who we are as a footy club o- on the field we haven't known who we are what we stand for how we play footy what's our game plan structure we just haven't had it
0: and i guess that's what frustrated me h because that's been the case but for a few weeks here i did actually trust them um
2: we got to that mm, point didn't yeah, we yeah
0: when when we beat the giants initially i mean the port loss <clears> the circumstances of that were sort of not so much to do with trust. It was execution in a bullshit fixture. But um, the Giants game and certainly the Geelong game, I remember walking away from those thinking, yeah, I trust the group now. It didn't take them long to get rid of that. That Friday night against Essendon, I've I've never been angrier watching footy than I was that day.
1: As you say, the GWS and the Geelong games were just tough, fighting Hmm. wins. We we had to give our best in both those games because they both came, of it, came at us hard, and as we know we were a couple of players down against GWS as well. We um was both both Ruckman that night. We hadn't gone in with another Ruckman, and Josh Battle, Josh Battle, Battle goes runaway. into Ruck. The rider was suspended. Yep, yeah, yeah. Oh, mm. don't talk, let's not talk about the rider suspension. That's the worst thing that <laughs> we've seen all year. When yeah, when he gets that, and then Cripps gets nothing it's just unbelievable um but yeah just those those two games just hard fought we showed that yeah if we're in a tight situation we we can defend we can attack when we need to and keep that team keep them away from us in in that tight tight situation and hold on um we've yeah, there's been plenty of years where we we'll get into a situation like that and we'll concede a couple of goals late and lose by a goal or and to go, well what's the point of trying so hard for th- over three and a half quarters and then just let him get the last few and hip us? It's but we found something on those few games. But then like we follow GWS up with Port Adelaide. For three quarters we do that. And then we sort of just let them do whatever they want for a for a quarter, and we lose. Because um, so what do we end up kicking that nod four eighteen. I mean, yeah, gee, yeah. I mean, yeah, Port yeah. were not a lot better, but we get that many opportunities, we've we've got to we've counted. got to kick them, and that's and that's where yeah, it's a few times this year we've missed at crucial times. We missed a couple of crucial goals that I. Mean, Flip that game around. Flip, possibly. um I'm trying to think of another. Brisbane, yeah, late, yeah, Um We managed to stay in that and get that result, and then pull one of the again Brisbane or Sydney at the end of this season. Or don't let Frio run over us in the second half, and or, so we just let them come out and do whatever they wanted in the second half of that game, and. I mean, flip a couple of those results around, play the way play, we played in the first half of the game, and we, we played finals. And that's a, that's as simple as it gets. We just didn't have that finishing. We do a little hard work and then just sort of just dropped and didn't take the chances. So uh, it's just, yeah, just that finishing off of games it will be the one thing that, as Nick's saying, there was no plan B. Things started going around, uh, turning away from us, and it was a bit like, "All right, how do we? What do we do now to change this?" And I think by the time they'd figured it out, the game was over. So we need to be ready for it.
2: Yeah, you, you mentioned that kind of trust factor. That kind of it, it took a while to get to that point. It was like <laughs> round six, round seven, round eight, even that we. Mm. I think we finally, you know, we did that show after whatever week it was, and we kind of went the way that these guys fight and kind of believe in themselves that it doesn't matter if they're three goals down at three quarter time, that they'll, they can run over a team. They're fitter. They're stronger. Um, maybe not playing great footy, but they believe that they, that if they're close enough, if, if they're within a range at three quarter time, they're in this game and they can roll over the top of you and, and win it. And they, they show that they could do that a number of times. And so I don't, I don't remember whether it was round six or seven or whatever it was that we kind of finally went after kind of talking about it for a few weeks that, we actually believe in these guys and they believe in, in each other and they believe in themselves. And I think we got to that point and then within a fortnight, maybe it was gone <laughs> and it was like never, never, never again. And, and that's, that's so St. Kilda. That's so St. Yeah. Kilda. Yeah.
0: That Essendon um, that game. I think, yeah, I, I don't think there was ever trust again. It'll take a while mm. on the back of that. Cause the same thing obviously happened 12 months earlier. I reckon before we got a few listener questions, um, coming through via Twitter especially at Unplug It on there but um, <clears throat> we know statistically obviously Jack Sinclair won our Best and Fairest our uh, Jack Steele award, he won the Trevor Barker award, probably the only changes in our water was we had Cal Wilkie top six, he finished second in the St Kilda Best and Fairest, Brad Crouch I think dropped from second in ours to maybe fifth or thereabouts but everything else, steel and memory etc was around about the mark and, and clearly obviously Sinclair a, a big step forward and Max King 50 goals for the, the first time. But should we do a an ultimate Jason Blake slash Shannon Knoll, almost said Butler again, um, for the, uh, the, the year that was? I think my Jason Blake award for the year probably goes to Mason Wood, who we spoke about earlier. I know there's a few contenders in there, but for mine, he, you know, unheralded most weeks and a lot of people probably had him close to being dropped most weeks but did a job all the time he probably only played one or two bad games missed the last game of the year with injury but was a very good player and uh, the ultimate need to lift award. I think a guy that has the potential to be very good is uh, Zach Jones. Now, obviously early in the year, he, he took some time away for personal leave, but when he came back, he just couldn't quite get going. He'd have a couple of weeks at VFL level, come in, got dropped, was a sub a couple of times, um, just never re-established himself once he was back uh, around the group. And um, I think he'll enjoy playing under Ross, but he's... If you look at reasons why we can get better, that's 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 certainly one of them for mine. But uh, Nick, how did you see it?
2: Yeah, I, I kind of agree on on Mason Wood. <coughs> uh, I feel like in the first half of the year, it was probably someone like a Jared Linet who who kind yeah. of played a role and came in and you know, did the job, kind of without being flashy, without being a superstar, without being heralded, and and just kind of did his thing. And and he he came in and and was pretty good. But I think he had one average game and was dropped and never quite got it back again um but in the <clears> second <throat> half mason wood kind of took his took his opportunity he came into the team and he made it count and uh you know he's, he's kind of the ultimate jason blake type of guy he played forward he played back he played wing he played in the middle he kind of did everything and, and kind of filled gaps when we needed to and, and worked really hard while doing it uh, To to i think the point where by the end of the season it was like people are thinking yes he he does remind me a bit of jason blake and the fact that people were talking about that kind of meant that he wasn't uh, unheralded anymore because he was kind of being unheralded or being heralded for being unheralded, um, which is kind of against the point. But um, I I agree on Mason Wood. I think on the other side, a guy who I think has the ability to be a very, very, very good AFL player and just hasn't quite hit the mark. He's, He's gotten close at times, but not consistently enough not good enough consistently enough is Jade Gresham mm. and I think that you know, he kind of showed early in the year that he can he's a really important player for us he knows how to win the ball he can kick a goal um, you know he's a real X factor impact player in the middle of the ground as well but his disposal lets him down uh, in crucial moments you know he gives the ball away too many times by just not thinking and not looking and blazing away uh, and a guy that can win the clearance you know Forget about his size. You know, what he does at his size is incredible. But for a guy to be able to win the ball the way that he does and then turn it over so often is almost a liability. And it got to the point where uh, you know, I was ready to move him back in the forward line and, and have, have him play that kind of defensive pressure, win the ball, and, and you know do the outrageous, kick the outrageous goal every now and then from the boundary line, as we know that he used to do when he came into the league, rather than being that you know midfield class act um, that – he should be because he's got the talent, but he just didn't have the discipline or the decision-making or whatever. And I think that really let him down, but he's got the ability to be one of the very best impact midfielders in the competition. If he can rectify a few of those things, and it doesn't mean that he's got to be elite at all those things. It doesn't mean that he's got to be an A plus disposer of the ball. Cause there are plenty of midfielders that aren't, but if he can stop being a D plus disposer of the ball, um, and stop, stop the stupid turnovers. You know, we're talking five, six, seven turnovers a game just by winning the ball in the middle and kicking long to nobody. Uh, you know, if you can lower the eyes and maybe give it, you know, give off a handball or you know, a little chip kick to someone who's free on the wing or whatever, just to clear the, you know, clear the congestion and, and move the ball forward rather than winning the ball and blazing away, trying to kick it to the top of the goal square or, or whatever, then... Yeah, he'd be a much better player.
0: He'd be perfectly suited in, in the way Richmond play the game where they sort of just hack it forward and that type of thing. But it's not what we're trying to
1: do. Um, H- yeah, pretty much. I thought thought of three for each of them. And it's pretty well lucky because, yeah, it was pretty much three that stood out, I think, for the year. You've both covered off two for each of it. But four <laughs> the Jason Blake. I mean, it, clearly in front of the pack, of uh, before he got injured, was Dan McKenzie clearly? Um, there, was, it was so far ahead in that category that it was it, it was his. Oh, he I mean, almost wouldn't lose it as he possibly couldn't, seeing what we had given us before he got injured. So, I mean, he, and he got injured putting him, putting his body on the line for the team as well. So it, it just showed what he got, could give, can give us, what he's willing to give us. And yeah, let's just hope he comes back next year and does exactly the same thing. And if he flies under the radar again, fantastic. And because that's basically what he was doing most weeks. The his name wasn't mentioned a lot in the media, but I mean, we all know how how much he was giving the team as the as supporters of the team. We knew how much he was giving us out there. So he he was definitely number one up to the point of his injury. So, um, But to lift, as I'll say again, two that you've pretty well covered off, but the third, um, yeah, it's, uh, I've, there's a couple there I was sort of thinking, well, Hill well, possibly. I mean, he gave a bit, but I just think he might not have been played in his right position for a lot of time. You talked about Higgins before going, yeah, he could have improved his – Finishing, um, but I think I have to. Uh, it, it, it's a tough one. Um, yeah, I've probably a bit, bit tough, but I think Dougal Howard maybe just gets a little bit more. No, just a little bit. <clears throat> I mean, he absolutely fair. Yeah. Great defender. But geez, I I worry every time he gets the ball. And he's trying to find something to do with it. We, these little pivots and these little spins and turning into trouble. And it, it's just got to make the better decision. Mm. We've got it's better him kicking the ball fifty meters down the ground than it is to do a little fancy spin and get caught holding the ball right in front of goal. And we saw that a few times. So let, let just. Better decision-making. I mean, he's, he's put in there as a leader for a reason, but he's got to show the leadership, not just act like a leader. He's, he's got to lead the way, by the way, he plays the game too. So if he can really pick pick that up, then he'll become, yeah, probably one of the better defenders in the league.
0: No, that's spot on. And, and, I mean, never thought I'd utter this phrase, but I hope Ross turns him into Zach Dawson, to be honest. Yes. Uh, genuinely um, yeah. disciplined, smart, um, does the basics, doesn't carry on. Yeah. Um, that would be an ideal scenario, yeah.
2: There's there's two others that we haven't really mentioned, mm. aside from kind of brief, brief mentions a bit earlier, but two guys that I'm really intrigued to see what happens under someone like Ross Lyon, mm. who doesn't – Take bullshit. We, we know what he did with guys like Milne and Nick Del Santo and, and kind of what he was able to turn them into. But two guys I'm really intrigued to see what happens with Ross it's Jack Billings mm. and Hunter Clark. And Hunter mm-hmm. Clark, you know, for reasons almost completely out of his control uh, in terms of the just complete unlucky injuries that he's had to face and go through. Uh, and Jack Billings has got as a guy who's. Got so much talent, and and you know I think we've gotten past the the point where we expect the world out of Jack Billings being that you know top three draft pick, and and we, we probably don't expect him to be that A plus player um, anymore, but you know he can still be important for us. He doesn't have to be Bontempelli. He doesn't have to be a Patrika type, but he can be really important. And he's got a skill set that is incredibly valuable in a team like ours, where it's you're crying out for skill and just talent um, and disposal and you know, a bunch of other things he's got a touch of class that not many not many players on our list have and and if Ross can turn that around and you know just kind of harness that and and get him playing in a way that is uh, contributing then he can be a really important player for us as well and and so I'm really intrigued that they're, they're both two guys that kind of need to lift for different reasons but really interested to see what happens with those two under under Ross.
0: Definitely, I think they're both <coughs> ideal players in terms of their consistent discipline. Before we Wrap up a few listener questions. MJ says, uh, we should have had a crack at that Boz and number seven deal. Uh, goes on to talk about missing long and, and obviously how important he would have been under uh, Ross Lyon, which you mentioned before. That's a really interesting one because it, it appears, and it, and I agree it, it's, it's a gift for Geelong really, but it, it looked like he was probably always going to nominate Geelong. So in the end, there probably wasn't a lot we were going to be able to do about it. Um, And again, it comes down to the dollar amount. So there was a lot of conjecture: was Jack Bowes on six hundred, or was he on eight or nine hundred? Just how back ended was it? I mean, I agree. I would have loved to have done that deal to get pick seven, so we could get McKenzie and another kid. But it's probably a move point.
2: Like, and and this is what this is what good footy clubs Mm. do, right? Mm. Is that they make good decisions and they find the bits. They find the areas that they can take advantage of, and Geelong do that all the time. Mm-hmm. and And in this case, it was taking that contract and saying, "We can take the contract. We we want pick seven. We know that he's got a year left at, at eight hundred. I, I think it's around eight eight fifty was was Bo's mm-hmm. contract. But we're going to split it over two years. We're going to extend him cheaper per year contract, but overall the same amount of money. Yeah. We're going to split Smart it business. over two years. Yeah. And they're just they they do things incredibly well because they are a good football club. And we're not at that point. We don't make those decisions. We don't get those. We don't find the loopholes. We don't make it work for us so often. Um, and, you know, to long, long do.
0: Uh, the Animal Enclosure asked the question, which is uh, at Stu Blogs. Uh, he basically Suggesting that on a Christmas wish list for the fixture, he's gone with a Hawks double, and he wouldn't mind a game in Tassie and more at the MCG. For me, look MCG, yes, always you you want. To, I actually think we play the ground pretty well, so mm. uh, and you want to be there just in the event that you need to be there later in the year. Probably the only other thing I'd wish for, which like most clubs would wish for, if we if we could play Geelong once and not at Cadinia Park, that would be great. Um, uh, and most sides would hope that, and probably the other one, like most, you look at the interstate sides and the ones you expect to be good. Uh, you don't play every single interstate side away. There's usually one, maybe two, that you don't travel to. Probably two. So you just hope they're the good ones. So don't go to, don't play Sydney in Sydney. Don't play either Port Adelaide in Adelaide or Fremantle in Perth. To, to, Brisbane, in, Brisbane, the yeah, ground. like. If you if you only play West Coast once and it's in Perth, you only play the Giants once and it's in Sydney, you might wear those, but um, yeah, you, you don't want your only game against Sydney to yeah, be away. Port for at example. Marvel, that'd be
2: nice. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely one. I, I'd even take I'd even take Port at the yeah, G to well, be honest. Yeah. Like yeah, if it definitely. was the case of getting getting more games at the G, I'd take Port yeah. at the G one hundred percent. But uh, I, I
1: agree. Be yeah. well, games away, I, I believe <laughs> yeah. no. No sold game this year, which is a good thing. But that's Mm -hmm. good to see the back of that. Um, I mean, yeah, it's nice to have a travel game and go away somewhere different, other than just a regular capital city where they play. But yeah, I think we can see the back of that for a while until we back down again and need some money. Pick a place that that doesn't have three thousand percent
0: humidity, preferably. (laughs)
1: <laughs> um but otherwise, yeah. More games at the G is probably the, the big one I've always felt we could really take a help, uh, take advantage of. Um I I just don't feel like we play there enough. I, it'd be nice to have maybe at least three home games there a year. It'd be nice to be able to
0: We haven't played badly well, there for a while. I believe
1: one I believe we're, we have we're asked we pretty, good, to, we're a pretty good I believe we've team. asked to have Collingwood mm. there as a home game. Um for the hundred and fifty. For the hundred and fiftieth so So yeah. That's at least possibly one we're going to have. Um and then yeah, I I don't think we'll get a um I don't think they will entertain us having a interstate team there. But yeah, where we get um make Geelong come up here instead or something like that just to um yeah, just to have the games there. So yeah, it'd
2: be I'd even (coughs) take like we 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 know what happens. We play Essendon at Marvel. We, we like At this point, I'd mm. take Essendon at yeah. G as well. Just oh, yeah. to, you know, just change it up. And and if we don't turn up, we don't turn up. That's Essendon. Like, I'd know play, them that happens.
1: play
0: them in
3: That's fine. Change that up. We'll play them on a city the that
1: doesn't have any TV <laughs> coverage. That'd be, we don't have to watch it. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Um, um, yeah, I think that I think that's yeah. the that's the that's the, the I think the, the, the given for everybody is that we want more games yeah. at the G. We're a pretty good running team. We we like the space. We've got guys that can run and create space, um, which you know we don't have as much of it at Marvel. And and if we can utilize the space at the G, which it, you know we have done over the last few years, then why not?
0: Uh, So GM, what's GM3189 on Twitter, whose profile picture is Marcus Windhager in a Portland Trailblazers uh, singlet. So um, Marcus is obviously a Jets. There's lots of changes off-field so far. If you could make one change on-field positional or otherwise, what would it be? And who finishes top three BNF? Um, Positional change... Probably, I'd still be tempted to play Gresham forward, even though you mentioned that. I'd, I'd still be tempted by that as a mm. a, a high forward. Uh, yeah. Top three BNF, you'd be thinking Sinclair and Steele would be likely, and then I would love to see, I think I think if Gresh takes that other spot, we're in pretty good shape. Or more importantly, if Brad Hill takes that other spot, we're probably in pretty good I'd shape. Love, love but, uh, see, any I'd love changes? to see Max
1: King, <clears throat> one, in the top yeah, three of the Max best Max. and fairest, and two... yeah. The ground. I'd like to see him up the mm-hmm. ground a bit further. Um, we've seen how yeah. – we've seen the marks when he's struggling. He gets up in the wing and he, all of a sudden just clunks everything on the wing. <clears throat> if we're having trouble moving the ball, get him up there. Get him – like, memory can mark in the forward line. Uh, Hay- Hayes will be hopefully back in there playing. It'll be th- There won't not be options there. 'll we'll, we'll have something there, and what I, I think he would be an absolute dominant center half forward. Just he, we don't need him to kick 70, 80 goals. If he's taking 15 marks a week between 40 to 70, 80 meters out from goal, we're dominating up forward. He's taking the mark and one one kick seen one kick before. to goal. Exactly right. <laughs> We've seen that before. And <clears throat> it happened under this coach. So <clears throat>
2: that's right. And and I think you know, we, we talk about Rui and, and I guess some of the questions are why didn't it happen a little bit earlier? You know, he yeah. kind of went up to the wing in his final year and a half, two years, whatever. Same happened with Richo, you know, dominant forward, but could have you know was top three Brownlow, nearly one of Brownlow when he moved in onto the wing in his final year. Um, why are we waiting for years mm. 14, 15, 16 to do it with these guys that have unbelievable aerobic capacity and can mm. burn every defender in the league? You're not going to put a, a yeah. wingman on Max King. You're not going to put a wingman on Nick Rewald mm. or, or Matty Richardson.
1: Um, and we've seen how good so he is below his guy. knees as well. And that's the other thing, around the ground. He can pick the ball he can, up. He can, he can yep. burn. But the other thing, he
2: can, he can hurt teams – running mm. towards goal instead of leading to the ball away from goal. Yeah. He can lead with the running ball. towards yeah. goal. yeah. And I a hundred percent agree that that's, that's the thing that I would change is that, yeah, even if he, instead of setting up at the top of the goal square, he sets up 35 meters out kind mm-hmm. of in that, in that middle ground mm. between, between goals and 50 meter and just give him that extra space mm. to, to come outside 50, to kind of lead up to the wing and, and, and be a true centre-half forward because I think that he's got the ability to break games open by heading towards goal, running back towards goal, or being able to impact by winning the ball yeah. you know, further up the ground and then being able yeah. to deliver to... And to I
1: probably feel team. very similar with him with Revolt too. I've probably got more confidence in mm. hitting a target rather than the goal. Yeah. A, a field kick. Ki- he kicks better his his field from kicks further out. out. And... Yeah. go I to YouTube both of them and watch the highlights from... of
0: the, the Hawthorne winning round, whatever it was for, uh, the, the lacing out of Brad Hill running into an open goal from mm. Max King, um, mm. where he took a mark about 60 out and just turned mm. and drilled in with a 50-minute bullet. Didn't have to break straight. Uh, that's what you yep. want to see. No, that's right and um yeah I think there's a there's certainly a, a little bit in that for sure and whether it's Hayes or Marshall whichever one's not in the rack at the time that plays out of the goal square uh with memory sort of floating around Sharman um, could be in there too higher. it's,
1: yep, it's yeah. yeah yeah
0: yeah that's probably that's probably a big positional change him going back forward probably mm. um mm.
2: So I, think that, he's I, think, a, I think he's a better forward than yeah. defender. Yeah, right? he's a
0: naturally creative. I think player. Him learning. Um, he, he was. He I think he's learning yeah. down
1: back a little bit. May help him though, just for a bit. Hmm. He's done a little hmm. bit. Um, but he's also that sort of player that now he's had that experience too. That if all of a sudden we are down a defender, he can help there. So it, it's. it's hmm. There's been a. I mean, we're bringing in. We brought in another defender, but at the same time, if as I was saying, we don't know. We could lose a couple very quickly, and but he's had that experience now, and we can use him. So he's he's a very flexible yeah, player for us now. If if we're playing, if if we're playing Zane Cordy
2: every week, then we're probably not in great shape. Yeah. So you know, while we brought him in, he's he's a backup. You don't want him playing over a Dougal Howard, over a Cal Wilkie, over. You know, mm. any of those guys was, that are they're currently in the team. I mean, I, I like Zane yeah. Cordy. I like him as a backup, though. I, I don't want him in a key position. Yeah, I think out.
1: he could be used against some of those bigger forwards we've had trouble with over time, though. Um, that's part of yeah, the reason sure. I think we've actually got but him. That's a, that's yeah. for certain
2: That's for certain matchups. Mm. For, for certain matchups, like I, I don't think he's a plug-and-play, you know, week-in, week-out type guy mm. for us. Um, and if he is, then I think that we're probably in a bit of trouble.
0: Bots asked a good question about change of game plan. Uh, we've spoken a bit about that. Probably less holes would be the the, the main one. Obviously, Rossline's teams are pretty solid. And, and one that was asked in general by a Saints fan, not necessarily to us, that just just saw scrolling uh, as a final question: If we were to crystal ball to the end of next year, someone who's not in our best 22 now, who will be then? As to just who that might be. The the logical one for me would be, I'll probably throw it out of of left field a little bit. There was one I was going to go with, but I'm going to go with Leo Connolly, actually. Um, I think his ball use is something that will stand out. He just couldn't get going with concussions early in the year, so um, I'd like to see him get a crack.
2: It's an interesting one, Leo Connolly, because I think a lot of people expected the way that he finished 2021 that he would be best 22 this year and just never got going. He had that that concussion early in the season, you know, at the end of preseason or whatever, and kind of missed round one and then was never able to, to get into the team despite playing some pretty good footy in the twos. Um, so I kind of agree with that. I think the other one, and we kind of mentioned him uh, a few minutes ago, is is Cooper Sharman. And I think if if Sharman can cement himself as a best 22 player, then I think we are in a good position because I think his his natural talent and his flair and the ability to do the unexpected, um, you know, we spoke to this this episode, well, it's a little bit later in the year, but this episode last year talking to Rocket eat about the talent in Cooper Shaman and his ability to, to do some outrageous things, you know, out of nowhere and kind of change games. Um, if, if we can find a way to harness that and make him a
1: best 22 player, then I think that we're, we're doing yeah. all right. There's a couple of there. I mean, Burns could really find his way. He, he could find a position and not lose it again. He, he can find a football. We, he's just got a bit more, get a bit more confidence in, I guess, using the ball. Um, but he, he will get in there and get it. And, he could provide a lot if given the opportunity, and um, it's the same sort of mold as we're talking before about Jack Piotel. There's could be a bit of similarity there. That I mean, you crucify all to the end of the next season. Chances are we may only finish the season next year with one of them. It's if one, mm. there might not be space or for two, of both those players to break into the team. Um, and there probably isn't. So yeah. yeah, we may. The thing I think that Burns has
2: Burns has over, over Bytel is that he's got, he's a bit more mm. of a runner Bytel's kind of that one paced, you know, contested ball winner, uh, clearance clearance type player. It doesn't have the running power. Um, and you know, we've mm. got a lot of those guys, we, you know, we've got Ross, we've got, um, Crouch you know, steel is a little bit the same, although a level above, um, yeah, we are a kind of a one paced midfield and, and Windhager as great as he looks to be, he's kind of similar, like he's a bit more powerful. He's a bigger body, does some different things, but again, he's not overly mm. quick. Um, Burns has a bit of that kind of foot speed that no one else has. And so I think that kind of sets him apart and probably gives him a little bit of an advantage, but I think you're right. Like they're both on one year deals now. Um they could both be gone
1: at the end yeah. of next season been saying yep, been saying that Paysworth we you know, we do know he's just won the time trial at the club down at the club so um mm-hmm.
0: and robert harvey was in that time trial so that's no yeah. mean um, so he, he's, <laughs> he's
1: not only <laughs>
0: to win a time trial yeah, with so half, he's so he's not
1: only bolting he's also getting quick he he's but I mean, that was that's a that's a three k time trial, not a sprint. So, yeah, but like, sustained. I, pace I guess the difference is, the, is between quick, Sustained like, pace yeah, at a, a later sure. time in the game. He still has that pace, which is the sure. yeah. It's it's greater.
2: Mm. It's greater running power, but I wouldn't. Yeah, I, I wouldn't call it like. I wouldn't call it pace like a. It's an ability. It's an ability uh, to have, like a like a Dustin yeah. Martin to burst yeah. or, burst out of a pack and mm. you know that sort of thing, I, I, which I don't really think that we've Gresh Gresh has it. Um, Brad, Brad Hill has it. Brad Hill yeah. has it. Um, Jack Sinclair Jack has it to has some it. extent. Yeah. Um, you know, th- there's a few guys that do, but we don't have. We don't
1: have a yeah, bunch. You, of can, them. you can see no, you know, Wind, Wind kind of, I guess, almost molding into that. Um, maybe that Crips kind of thing, but he just might have that bit of pace over to over yeah, him I though. Thinking of that five. Um,
2: I keep thinking of yeah, Nat five as well. yeah, body. Yeah, you know, so, he you know, he's yeah, I mean, just
1: well, he's nineteen. The, and they, he looks, yeah, he is, he's AFL built. So it's, he's it's, a man. He's, yeah, yeah. no, nah, love the it. The other one that that is a
2: bit of an X factor is Mitch Jones. Yeah. Hmm. You know, we haven't, we certainly haven't seen the best of him. We've seen glimpses. Wanganeen Miller as well. That. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So but there's, more, a, there's a bunch of guys that we clearly haven't seen the best of yet.
0: Definitely, and and hopefully that that time does come. Uh, so that's been our somewhat belated review. Obviously, got the draft not far away, which we'll touch on when that does fall. We're still hoping to have a rep from the club, and, and that's progressing okay. We'll, we'll try to bring you a few more special guests as well. But... Uh, you can catch this in, in any other podcast. We have gone back in time to two thousand and seven, so you might not be able to get it on a, a Nokia thirty three ten or anything like that. But um, the, I think the first iPhone comes out sometime soon, so you'll be know, able to check that out there. Otherwise, jump on the PC and, and get it all uh, all online there via uh, Spotify and all of the usual platforms. Uh, we'll yeah, we'll be back post the draft, but yeah, Ross, Ross Lion era Mark II. Who would have ever seen that coming?